Hello, this is P. Andrew Sandlin, founder and president of the Center for Cultural Leadership. My topic today is Beware of Cramped Theology. A hallmark of historic Protestant Christianity is that uh, its theology is based in, sourced in, God's revelation alone and specifically the three interlocking media of Revelation, the Bible and creation and Jesus Christ, who according to uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 is God's final definitive revelation. Traditional Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Christianity want to add to that revelation, uh, particularly uh, tradition, uh, notably in the case of Eastern Orthodoxy, and uh, a confluence of tradition and the magisterium, the ongoing living tradition of the church in the case of uh, Roman Catholicism. And then, of course, there's a, another version of Christianity, which actually, as uh, Machen pointed out a number of years ago, is not a Christianity at all. I'm referring to what's known as liberalism religious modernism, uh, this also wishes to add to uh, the sources of theology, and that is essentially uh, man's feeling, man's experience, man's collective experience, or more recently, man's own interpretation of reality. All of these additions to uh, the sources of theology undermine uh, Christian theology and our understanding of God. Uh, this doesn't mean that everything is all right on the uh, conservative Protestant side. Uh, if anything, the problem with many conservative Bible-believing Protestants is a reduction of theology, what I'd like to call cramped theology. Today I'd like to point out uh, three particular problems with uh, this cramped theology. First is the impoverishment of uh, creation in theology. Edward John Carnell once rightly said that what is uh, distinctive about Orthodox theology, he meant Orthodox Protestant theology, is that it limits the ground of religious authority to the Bible. Uh, but of course, he didn't want to exclude Jesus Christ and uh, creation from that because uh, the Bible itself teaches that uh, the heavens declare God's glory and the firmament shows his handiwork. And though there's no actual speech, uh, they reveal God. And, of course, Jesus Christ is the preeminent form of uh, God's revelation. Hebrews and other texts make that abundantly clear. Many Protestants have rightly pointed out the weaknesses of so-called natural law theology, cutting the Bible off from nature, but we can have the opposite problem, and that is cutting creation off from the Bible, which the Bible itself will never permit. This means to have uh, the right kind of knowledge of God, we need to have a rather expansive knowledge of uh, his creation. It's for this reason, among others, that uh, the churches of the Reformation historically have insisted on uh, an educated ministry. By educated, I don't necessarily mean college or seminary educated, though that often has been the case, but rather educated in some way uh, with the knowledge of God's world. After all, the Bible is a book, and uh, the Bible can be misinterpreted, and it uh, to be properly interpreted, 
must have uh, not only the leading and illumination of the Holy Spirit, but a knowledge of God's world within which it was written. After all, if you can't read, you can't uh, interpret the Bible. And to read, you must know something about creation, the formation of words, sentences, and propositions, and so on. The same is true of what's called grammatical historical interpretation. We need to know what uh, everybody from the Apostle John to the Old Testament prophet Amos had as their historical situation to understand what they were talking about. God didn't bypass history when he wrote the Bible. God didn't bypass history when he sent his son Christ. He sent him specifically within human history, born of a woman, to uh, redeem those under the law. If nothing else, we won't know how to apply the Bible properly if we don't understand the world within which it is to be applied. Uh, this is why uh, not just ministers, but to all Christians, need to have a basic knowledge of language and science and the arts and music and so on, because they are realities of the world in which we live and uh, in which uh, theology has to be applied. Indeed, as the theologian John M. Frame pointed out, theology is really, really nothing more or less than uh, applying the Word of God. The uh, youngest uh, youth pastor all the way to uh, the most learned theologian, all of them are uh, theologians of one sort or another. In fact, every Christian is a theologian. Every Christian interprets, or at least should interpret, the Bible. Take human history... Uh, which uh, is uh, presupposed by and presupposes creation. Many Christians correctly understand that history is not normative in interpreting the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. But there's a form of chronological snobbery and arrogance if we don't take into account how Christians historically have interpreted the Bible. In short, if you come up with a biblical interpretation that nobody in the history of the church has ever thought of or dreamed of, you are probably wrong. The noted early uh, and very intellectually gifted dispensationalist theologian J.N.D. Darby pointed out that uh, no one in the history of the church was revealing uh, or had been revealed uh, to him what uh, the Holy Spirit had revealed. Nobody, everything was innovative. Uh, the the central basis of his dispensational hermeneutic. That should have been a clue right there, uh, not only to him, but also to people listening to him, that his theology was light, likely suspect. This doesn't mean that there can never be uh, new understandings breaking forth from the Word of God. Of course they can, but they grow out of a uh, previous interpretation and theological development. Your theology is very cramped if you think you can just take your Bible and go off in a corner and read it without any reference to the present community and also the historic Christian community. Uh, then another uh, example of uh, cramped theology is uh, ecclesiastically top-heavy theology. Uh, that is uh, theology that is limited to church interpretation. It's understandable that the Bible should be interpreted within the church. The church is Christ's uh, metaphorical body. The church is God's called-out people, uh, his visible community. That's what the ecclesia is. The church's theology is often hammered out in uh, creeds, notably the early uh, Catholic or ecumenical creeds, Catholic small c, on which all Orthodox Christians agree, the 
the uh, of course Apostles Creed which was not written by the Apostles but summarizes their teaching and uh, the Nicene Creed, Chalcedonian Creed and so forth but theology can't be limited to these creeds by any means and we can't assume that uh, these uh, creeds exhaust God's revelation uh, theology is not identical to revelation theology is human reflection on God's revelation Theology, as Herman Duyavert has pointed out, is a theoretical science. It's the combination of uh, man's mind's interaction with uh, the teachings of the Bible and understanding of Christ and creation in a particular historical context. And that's why theology is never a finished product. To think that somebody could write a single definitive theology that would be good for all time uh, would be the height of... Uh, arrogance, and I would say naive arrogance. New issues bring to the fore uh, new concerns, and that itself brings to the fore the necessity of uh, a new theological reflection. Not new truth, but new reflection. But the problem with liberal and many evangel uh, evangelical churches is uh, their drift away from creedal or confessional Christianity. The problem with the recovery of creedal or confessional Christianity is somehow assuming that uh, Theology should be limited to uh, those topics hammered out on the creeds. But uh, theology also demands cultural theology. For instance, our uh, knowledge of the truth of the word of God as it relates to science and physics and politics and education and music and art and architecture and economics. All of these are not in a substantively different category from uh, soteriology and eschatology and ecclesiology. But if we over-ecclesiasticize the faith, and we won't consider those issues terribly important. We'll consider only the issues in the creeds very important. Theology will then suffer, uh, suffer from a sort of ecclesiastical imperialism. The church itself becomes an emperor over theology. Uh, of course, the Roman Catholic Church has done that historically, but Protestants can do the same thing with their creeds and confessions. Rome does it with tradition and the living magisterium, and Protestants can do it with their creeds and confessions. There's a third and a final example of a cramped theology, and that is theological sectarianism. By that I mean uh, focusing on and fastening our entire attention on, or most of our attention on, the particular theological distinctive of our church and our tradition. If we're Presbyterians or Reformed, for example, it might be the five points of Calvinism. How often I have heard the Calvinists refer again and again to the doctrines of grace, the doctrines of grace, as though there was something almost magic about this, and the reduction of the Christian faith to soteriology, though the gospel certainly, the good news, cannot be limited to soteriology, as I've pointed out many times. If we're Methodists, for example, uh, we might stress uh, personal sanctification, individual perfection, and uh, this essentially becomes the central doctrine around which uh, everything centers. And uh, our individual lives and our individual progress and sanctification becomes vital. Uh, it is vital, but it tends to crowd out sometimes social sanctification or the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Then if we're Roman Catholics, the emphasis, of course, will be on the church and the sacramental system of the church and the magisterium. If we're Eastern Orthodox, it's the undivided... Uh, consensus of the very early church, particularly the eastern churches. 
If we're Baptists, it might be evangelism, getting the gospel to the world, which of course also is indispensable, but there's more in the Bible to that, and there's certainly more to the theology than that. And if we're evangelicals, it might be the definition of the evangel, which is the good news. Uh, but the good news is a lot bigger than most evangelicals understand. It involves a Christ's atoning death and his glorious resurrection and his reign, turning back evil in the entire universe, and not simply in uh, individual salvation, necessary though it is. If we're Lutherans, we might stress uh, the so-called law-gospel distinction, see that is the great interpretive key of all of the Bible, as many Lutherans have said. Uh, others will speak of, uh, essentially they would say in line with that, is the doctrine of justification by faith alone. The, the doctrine on which the church stands or falls. Well, of course the Bible doesn't say that. That was just a theory, historically invented. This doctrine is uh, vital, but uh, we can't underemphasize the others. It's easy to stress the uh, particular theological doctrine that's central to our own church or our own denomination. By the way, this is why exposure to uh, the wider church, both uh, the uh, living church, the church today, individuals and writings of uh, contemporaries outside our own church or denomination or theological persuasion, and also those historically, uh, primarily through their writings and, of course, over the last hundred years through uh, recorded voice and sometimes images of those uh, that have uh, died over that period, our wide exposure to these will help us to avoid this kind of cramped sectarian theology that overemphasizes one aspect of the faith and underemphasizes another. It's remarkable how my charismatic and Pentecostal friends can speak uh, continually about the power and the gifts of the Spirit and the necessity of the Spirit but very little about justification by faith alone and about biblical eschatology. Uh, while my uh, reformational friends can speak strongly about justification and the law of God, but very little about the power of the Spirit and the filling and endowment of the Spirit, and the Roman Catholics about the necessity of participating in the sacram uh, uh, sacramental system of the Church, uh, but very little about uh, one's personal relationship to God and being justified or declared righteous on the basis of one's faith. All of these uh, emphases in this uh, sectarianism often lead to unnecessary fights. It's remarkable how I see so many Christians fighting over, for example, baptism, the subject of baptism, the mode of baptism, the e efficacy of baptism, when the fact is, while in the Bible baptism is not an important, uh, the reason the Bible doesn't say very much about these things specifically is because there is obvious room for disagreement. But if we elevate baptism or the Lord's table to a very high level, then we'll uh, fight and excise from our midst uh, other Christians who simply interpret the Bible differently. I urge you to beware of cramped theology. Uh, it is a bane wherever it goes. This is P. Andrew Sandlin, ChristianCulture.com.